MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use promo code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Today, Fox and Dominion reach a $787 million settlement. Two Democratic senators have referred Justice Thomas to a committee of federal judges responsible for addressing errors or omissions in financial filings. Fulton County prosecutors have filed a motion to remove the lawyers representing 10 of the fraudulent electors. The governor of Oklahoma calls on officials to resign over racist remarks. And President Biden signs a sweeping executive order improving care for millions. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how are you? I'm good. It just feels so good to be back still. I know I talked about it yesterday, but it just, you know, the the pod fuels me and gives me something. So anyway, super happy to be back. Happy to be. And the guest today, I know we're going to get there. She's she's fucking kick ass. <laughs> she's one of my heroes, dude. Yeah. I mean, she co-founded The Daily Show, you know, like yeah. how fucking cool is that? Yeah. And produced it for a long time. Now, we're going to talk about this first. I want to get this discussion going because Dominion and Fox, Dominion has settled for $787.5 million. That's half of what they were seeking and $1.6 billion in damages. And, uh, you know, my top line thoughts here are, okay, I get it. And also I'm pissed. Oh, I actually agree with you. Like I understand Dominion probably wanted to settle for uh, many reasons, 787 million of them, but also fuck, I wanted to see Fox News go down for this. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to see them go to trial and stand trial. But I do understand the risks involved in defamation suits. You might not have gotten $1.6 billion. You might not have gotten certain things. One juror could, you know, screw up the punitive damages. I mean, there's a lot that you're risking by going to a jury trial. But, I mean, you know, the lawyers for Dominion came out afterward and said, hey, money is accountability, which says to me, and Oliver Darcy is also reporting, that it doesn't look like they're going to have to issue on-air apologies. I was hoping for, you know, five-minute scripted apologies telling Fox viewers that they lied to them yep. for a long time from the major hosts. And a- apparently that's not part of this deal. And when asked about it, they just sort of batted the question away and didn't answer it. Yeah, it's that. that's a disappointing part for sure. But, I, you know, this isn't the last time either that this is going to happen. We still have the other the other case, the other voting machine case. So we'll see. Hopefully they're going to have to pay out more to, to, to them. And this isn't the last time that Fox News is going to get sued. And, and I think one of the things that at least this shows is that they're not impervious to, to consequences at this point. I understand we're not getting what we want, but... Maybe they'll, I don't know, I'm actually, that's laughable. I'm like, maybe they'll, they'll stop lying so much, but that's not Mm going to happen. But I do think they realize that they have to, there's a finer line they have to walk now. Otherwise, they're going to keep getting sued for a $1.6 billion for things. Yeah, but I think what they've learned today is that there's a price tag for for lying. Um, And whether that's good or bad or whether it deters them or not, 
is yet to be seen. But yeah, like you said, Smartmatic, who has a $2.7 billion lawsuit against them, which is just in, in its infancy, as you know, Katie Fang was reporting from the, the courthouse uh, today in Delaware. And they said, look, we look forward to work. We're, we're going to finish this fight and we're going to help preserve democracy, et cetera, et cetera. And there's, you know, still other Dominion cases against like Rudy and stuff that are still yep. happening. And we did get a lot of really important information out of the discovery of, of this particular lawsuit with Dominion. But uh, it's it's just us who are seeing it. The people, you know, the people whose minds don't have to be changed. So I guess, you know, we shouldn't have relied on rich corporate people to do the right thing. Right. I get it. I get it. But I'm also disappointed. Those two things can exist at once. Everybody, it's cool. You can be like, all right, I get it. But I'm also pissed. Yep. S- simultaneity. It's having yeah. <laughs> two, two opposite emotions at the same time. I, 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 great, we got the money. I'm fucking pissed about it still. <laughs> yeah, I don't think money is accountability. I think truth is accountability. And I think if anybody learned a lesson today, it was us, the citizens, the people, the voters who deigned to think that a corporation would help us preserve or save democracy or, or preserve the truth. So, uh, you know, that's on me for, I guess, looking forward to, <laughs> to Dominion taking them apart in court. but. um yeah, it is a little bit disappointing, but it's also indicative that justice is n- n- rarely what we want. Yeah, I agree. And we have better things to talk about. And you were going to get to them right after you plug and, and tease Liz, which I'm yeah. so excited about. Yeah, I'll be speaking to The Daily Show co-founder and co-host of the Feminist Buzzkills podcast, who good friend Liz Winstead. We're going to talk about the Mephapristone thing that's happening. We know that uh, the people who are trying to block the FDA from making Mifepristone available, have filed their briefing with the Supreme Court. So that just came out. We'll be going over that tomorrow as well. But yeah, it's, I, I look forward to talking to Liz. So anyway, we have a lot of other news to get to today. A lot of important stuff happened besides this Dominion settlement. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, from Hallerman and Rankin at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is a great paper if you can subscribe. The Fulton County District Attorney's Office has offered immunity deals to some of the alternate GOP electors who met at the Georgia Capitol and cast phony electoral college votes for Trump following the 2020 election. In a court motion filed on Tuesday, which I will go over in depth on next week's cleanup on aisle 45, the DA's office disclosed that it has been interviewing several of those Republicans in recent weeks and that some of them accused a fellow elector of committing acts that are violations of Georgia law that we weren't party to. That's according to the motion without revealing specifics. So it sounds like some of the 10 people that this lawyer represents are like, well, one of us is doing extra bad things and we would like to talk about it. (laughs) The DA's office filed a motion in an attempt to disqualify from the case attorney Kimberly Burroughs DeBrow or DeBrow who is representing, like I said, 10 of these electors, which is just bonkers. It's impossible to get 10 people to sing from the same sheet of music. And and that's one of the issues in this motion, explosive motion, in which prosecutors allege that DeBrow failed to inform her clients about immunity deal offers after they were offered last summer. Prosecutors said they had been told by DeBrow and her then co-counsel Holly Pearson on August 5th of 2022 that none of their clients were interested in immunity deals. But during interviews with electors last week, some of the electors told members of the investigation team that no offer of immunity was ever brought to them in 2022, which is in direct conflict with Ms. Pearson's representation to this court. So they lied to the court. 
Their motion, said DeBro's representation of 10 electors, has become impracticable and an ethical mess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a quote. It's unfathomable how Ms. DeBro can offer competent and adequate counsel to her client who has been accused of further crimes. And any claim of all 10 of her clients being similarly situated has gone out the window. In order to represent a bunch of clients, they all have to be similarly situated. A spokesman for Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis declined to comment. DeBro didn't respond to requests for comment. And this isn't the first time Fannie Willis sought DeBro's disqualification. Last October, they pushed for the removal of DeBro and Pearson, who at the time represented 11 of the electors, a group that involved then Georgia GOP Chairman David Schaefer. In November, Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney ruled that DeBro and Pearson could represent Schaefer or the 10 electors, but not both since they were substantially differently situated in terms of the criminal investigation. Schaefer's in a lot more trouble. <laughs> Let's just say that. After that, Pearson received permission to represent Schaefer. Among the 10 being represented by DeBro are Sean Still, um, GOP Party Treasurer jo- uh, Joseph Brannon, GOP Assistant Treasurer Vicki Consiglio, and Atlanta lawyer Brad Carver. The state GOP, headed up by Schaefer, spent more than $220,000 last year to defend the court. It's Schaefer who's paying these two lawyers. DeBro's firm received $170,000 in legal fees in 2022. Pearson has been paid at least $52,000. DeBro received another $87,000 in February, according to campaign finance filings. So this lawyer, Pearson, lied to the court, failed to present an immunity deal to her clients, which is explosively huge. That's you don't, that's, I'm surprised there weren't sanctions filed here in a bar referral. Yeah. And now they have conflicted clients. Uh, this is really, really bad. I'll discuss again, like I said, with Pete Strzok on next week's Clean Up on Aisle 45. And of course, during the bonus episode for patrons of Clean Up this weekend as well. And I have a theory in AG. I know that sometimes I have theories and you're like, yes, but this is actually not legal, which is fine because sometimes my theories are bullshit, but every once in a while. We have to remember, Sidney Powell was behind a lot of these fake elector schemes. And I'm wondering if the lawyers went to Sydney and was like, hey, they're offering immunity deals. And Sydney was like, don't fucking bring that to them because they're going to throw me under the bus if yeah. you give them immunity. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that's a possibility. Another possibility is was David Schaefer, right? Yeah. Schaefer was the guy who said that Fonnie Willis can't you know, investigate me because she threw a fundraiser for my opponent. Yep. When I was running for office. So she had to recuse from from David Schaefer. Yeah. And Schaefer, like I said, back in November, had to split from these 10 other people because he was a bigger criminal. And <laughs> and uh, and so Pearson said, I'll represent I'll do Schaefer. Uh, Debro, you do the other 10. And now within Debro's 10, they're pointing fingers at each other. But Schaefer's GOP, state GOP, is what who paid for both of these lawyers. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if Schaefer was like, make sure nobody gets a deal. Make sure yep. nobody gets immunity and cuts a deal and flips on me. Oh, I hope they, I mean, I hope the lawyers get disbarred. What a mess. Like, I don't understand how these people got their law degrees. Anyway. She's a law professor. Yeah. She's a former assistant DA and she's a law professor. Like, she's probably what? a brilliant woman, but I don't understand no. why they choose to defend these people. That's she's, that's what I mean. She's got to be some. There's got to be some smarts to her. If she was a brilliant woman, she wouldn't have done some shit like not offer an immunity deal to her, and clients. then lie to the court about it because she's going to lose. She could lose her law license. She could lose her tenure or adjunct professorship or whatever the fuck she is. It's yeah. bonkers. You never like. 
I immediately called my lawyer friends and was like, what the fuck? Yeah, they had an like, offer. None of us. <laughs> and they didn't present an offer to their clients. That is big, bad breaking of rules. Yeah. And speaking of bad judges, <laughs> here's, in the, here's, the, here's the big guy. And this is from the Washington Post. Uh, allegations from congressional Democrats that Clarence Thomas likely violated federal ethics laws in his dealings with a Republican donor. Well, they have been sent to a committee, a federal judge is responsible for, and I quote, addressing allegations of errors or omissions in the filing of financial disclosure reports. That's from a top judicial official. That's what they said on Tuesday. Judicial official. Judicial official. Now, Sheldon Whitehouse, who I love, and he's the one that, you know, connects all the dots about the dark money in the Supreme Mm -hmm. Court. Fucking awesome. And also Rep. Hank Johnson, who's a Democrat from Georgia. They had requested that the Judicial Conference of the United States investigate Thomas's failure to disclose travel and real estate deals with Republican donor and Dallas business executive Harlan Crow. If Harlan Crow doesn't have a two-gallon cowboy hat and a dog named Roscoe Pico Train, like, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Roscoe Pico Train dog name is Flash. So That's right. he needs to have a dog named Roscoe, and Roscoe has to have a little friend named Flash. I exactly. I know. I got the dog confused. I don't know. They're all a bunch of rednecks. And I say that because they are literally... Uh, we they have a whole museum. Sorry, I don't mean to get sidetracked, but the fact that I watched the Dukes of Hazard when I was younger, and now how fucking problematic that show is. Anyway, so yes, Harlan <laughs> Crow. Back to the story. White House and Johnson also said the matter should be referred to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Yeah, that's well, where, what I want. Absolutely. And this is a quote. There is reasonable cause to believe that Justice Thomas willfully failed to file information required to be reported under the Ethics and Government Act of 1978. This is from those Democrats. Now, U.S. District Judge Rosalind uh, Mauskoff, a director of the Administrative Office of the U.S. Courts, responded Tuesday to say the lawmaker's complaint had been referred to the authorized committee. We have passed it on. And this is a quote. I have forwarded your letter to the Judicial Conference Committee on Financial Disclosure, which is responsible for implementing the disclosure provisions of the Ethics and Government Act and addressing allegations of errors or omissions in the filing of financial disclosure reports. That was Maskoff. Uh, she wrote in a letter obtained by the Washington Post. Her short reply did not indicate how or whether the committee would proceed from here. White House and Johnson did not immediately return a request for comment. Now, Kedrick Payne, who's the senior director of ethics at the Campaign Legal Center, which has also lodged a complaint against Thomas, said it was significant that the conference acknowledged the letter from the lawmakers and referred it to the committee. This is definitely the first step, Payne said. It's encouraging if they work quickly. His organization has yet received a response from the conference, though. The judiciary's financial disclosure rules outline a disciplinary process for failing to file the required information, potentially including civil or criminal action in the court. The judicial conference can refer individuals to the U.S. Attorney General, who can in turn file a civil action or initiate a criminal prosecution for, quote, knowingly and willfully falsifying or failing to report any financial disclosure information. Now, Clarence Thomas has every fucking excuse under the book, but I know that he's got to have slipped up somewhere. Mm. Legal legal ethics experts, try that three times fast, could not, or just once slow for me. (laughs) (laughs) Try that one time slow. (laughs) My new thing for you. Yeah, try that one time slowly. Legal ethics experts could not recall any judge or justice sanctioned in a case brought by the attorney general. In 2014, the Justice Department investigated the travel expenses of a federal appeals court judge, but they declined to prosecute him. 
Yeah. All right. So that's the process, right? The senators refer this to the Judicial Committee. The Judicial Conference Committee can refer them to the attorney general, and then the attorney general can file a civil action or initiate a criminal prosecution. Um, and there's apparently only one other time, and, and uh, that was 2014, and they declined to prosecute. Now, and that wasn't even a Supreme Court justice. So uh, pretty long odds yeah. that there would be any criminal investigation here, but at least the process is underway. And I'm also interested to know who sits on the judicial conference panel. Is it a bunch of dickbags like Eileen Cannon and Kazmierich or like who's on? Yeah, who's who's going to be reading this and responding? Right. Because you're like, oh, cool. The inspector general is going to investigate. Who is it? Oh, Kufari. Oh, fucking great. He uh, appalls and exhausts us. So it's like, who's on this panel? We'll see. Anyway, I don't know. I wish I did. I'll, I'll see if I look that up later. Also from CNN, content warning here for racism. The governor of Oklahoma is calling for Mc- McCurtain County officials to resign after they participated in a secretly recorded conversation that included racist remarks about lynching black people and killing journalists. The McCurtain Gazette News over the weekend published the audio, it said, was recorded following a Board of Commissions meeting on March 6th. The paper said the audio of the meeting was legally obtained, but the McCurtain County Sheriff's Office said in a statement it was illegally recorded and it's investigating. Uh, That means they totally said these things. The Sheriff's Office also said it believes the recording has been altered, so they're, they're accusing whoever recorded this of editing that recording. I am both appalled and disheartened to hear of the horrid comments made by officials in McCurtain County. That's Governor Kevin Stitt in a statement on Sunday. He went on to say there's simply no place for such hateful rhetoric in the state of Oklahoma, especially by, really, especially by those that serve to represent the community through their respective office. I will not stand idly by while this takes place. The governor called for the immediate resignations of McCurtain County Sheriff Kevin Clardy, District 2 Commissioner Mark Jennings, Sheriff's Investigator Alicia Manning, and jail administrator Larry Hendricks. Great. So a district commissioner, a county sheriff, a sheriff's investigator, and a jail administrator, administrator all super racist, uh, according to the alleged yeah. uh, recordings. He also said he would ask the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation to look at the case. McCurtain County is in southeastern Oklahoma, about 200 miles from Oklahoma City. The recording was made hours after Gazette News reporter Chris Willingham filed a lawsuit against the sheriff's office, Manning, and the Board of County Commissioners, alleging they had defamed him and violated his civil rights. In the recording, Manning spoke of needing to go near the newspaper's office and expressed concern about uh, what would happen if she ran into Willingham, the Oklahoman reported. That's from the Oklahoman, citing additional reporting from the Gazette News. According to the Oklahoman report, Jennings said, Quote, oh, you're talking about you can't control yourself? And Manning replied, yeah, I ain't worried about what he's going to do to me. I'm worried about what I might do to him. My papa would have whipped his ass, would have wiped him up, used him for toilet paper. If my daddy hadn't been run over by a vehicle, he would have been down there. Jennings replied that his father was once upset by something the newspaper published and started to go down there and just kill him. Quote, I know where two big deep holes are. And if you ever need them, he said. Clardy, the sheriff, allegedly said he had equipment. Well, I've got an excavator. And he's accused of saying that during the discussion. Well, these are already pre-dug, Jennings allegedly said. In other parts of the recording, officials expressed disappointment that black people could no longer be lynched, according to the paper. 
Now, CNN has not been able to verify the authenticity of the recording or confirm who said what. CNN has reached out to all four county officials for comment. The Oklahoma Sheriff's Association voted Tuesday to suspend the membership of Clardy, Manning, and Hendricks, the group's executive director, told CNN. Willingham and his father, Bruce Willingham, the paper's publisher, have been advised to temporarily leave town. For nearly a year, they have suffered intimidation, ridicule, and harassment based solely on their efforts to report the news in McCurtain County. That's Kilpatrick Townsend, the law firm representing the Willingham family. The McCurtain County Sheriff's Office said in a statement Monday that there's an ongoing investigation into multiple significant violations of the Oklahoma Security of Communications Act, which makes it illegal to secretly record conversations. Our preliminary information indicates that media released audio recording The one released to the media, in fact, has been altered. The motivation for doing so remains unclear. The matter is actively being investigated. The Oklahoma Attorney General's office has received the audio recording and is investigating. Communications Director Phil Bacharach says the FBI would not confirm or deny whether it's involved in in the investigation. So that's what's going on there. Absolutely fucking horrible. I just I can't. All right. Good news. We got good news from the president's desk. Today, President Biden will announce the most comprehensive set of executive actions any president has ever taken to improve care for hardworking families while still supporting care workers and family caregivers. Joined by people with disabilities, family caregivers, long-term care workers, early educators, veterans, and aging advocates, the president will sign an executive order that includes more than 50 directives to nearly every cabinet-level agency to expand access to affordable, high-quality care and provide support for care workers and family caregivers. Now, too many families and individuals struggle to access the affordable, high-quality care that they actually need. The cost of child care is up 26% in the last decade and more than 200% over the past 30 years. 200%. Mm. For the elderly or people with disabilities, long-term care costs up to 40%. They've gone up 40% in the past decade. Now, the result in is many Americans, particularly women, they stay out of the workforce to care for their families. And it's making that hard for businesses to attract and retain a skilled workforce and for the economy to grow. A BCG brief forecasts losses of $290 billion each year in gross domestic product in 2030 and beyond if the U.S. fails to address the lack of affordable child care. Now, at the same time, many workers provided this critical care find themselves in low-paying jobs with few benefits. Care workers who are disproportionately women of color, they struggle to make ends meet, and, you know, the turnover rates are incredibly high. In addition, AG, at least 53 million Americans serve as family caregivers, and that's including over over 5 million care for service members or veterans, and many face challenges due to lack of support, training, and opportunities for rest. They're not getting enough sleep. Now, President Biden believes that we must secure significant new federal investments to transform care in this country. That's why he and Vice President Harris called for investments to support high-quality, affordable child care, preschool, and long-term care in their fiscal year of 2024, that budget. While Congress considers those proposals, the president is taking immediate action to make more care affordable for American families, support family caregivers, boost compensation, and improve job quality for care workers, and expand care options. Now, specifically in executive order are these. It's going to make child care and long-term care more accessible and affordable for families, including military families. It's going to improve access to home-based care for veterans. It'll boost job quality for early educators, enhance job quality for long-term care workers, support family caregivers, advance domestic workers' rights, It's going to ease construction of early childhood facilities for tribes, which is a huge deal, 
and it's going to engage affected communities. So he's moving forward with this. They're trying to make a difference. And there's a lot of good stuff in these actions. Yeah, huge, huge changes all by executive order. So uh, we'll wait any day now for any Republican to sue and try to block these. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, in the cards, I'm sure. All right, everybody, stick around. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm up next with my friend Liz Winstead. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. As you know, I used to toss and turn every night, struggling to get a decent night's sleep. I thought it was because of the stress of the orange man in the White House and all the onslaught of news and stuff and disinformation from Fox or whatever. And as it turns out, I was sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. I discovered Helix Sleep. I took their online sleep quiz. It took two minutes at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. And with their personalized approach, I found a mattress tailored to my needs. Now I wake up feeling rested and energized. I can't imagine going back to a regular mattress. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their two-minute quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix understands that everyone has unique sleep needs, which is why they offer a range of mattress models to choose from. Whether you prefer soft, medium, or firm bed, or you need cooling technology to help regulate your temperature, they have you covered. I'm a side sleeper, and I like a medium, firm bed, so the Helix Midnight was the perfect match for me. And since I started sleeping on it, I wake up each morning feeling completely rested and ready to take on the day. Ordering your own personalized Helix mattress is simple. Just take the quiz, place your order, and wait for it to arrive at your doorstep with free shipping. Then your sleep problems will be over, too. They have a 100-night risk-free trial and a warranty lasting 10 or 15 years, depending on the model, so you know Helix has your back. And don't take my word for it. Helix Sleep was awarded number one best overall mattress of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Experience the comfort and quality of Helix Sleep for yourself. You won't be disappointed. Right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use promo code HELIXPARTNER, all one word. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am super stoked you know, to, to quote myself from the 90s, to speak to my friend today, <laughs> co-founder of The Daily Show and uh, co-host of the Feminist Buzzkills podcast, which is on the MSW Media Network, which we love and also works with Abortion AF, Abortion Access Front. Please welcome Liz Winstead. Hi, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. So we are here to discuss the bullshit that is standing <sighs> in the Mifflin-Prestone <sighs> case with Kaz Americ, who took his name off of a paper that he wrote right before he went to get confirmed and and b- pretending to be some sort of a scientist and making rulings that the FDA should be making. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit because this show comes out on Wednesday and that will be mm. the day that the emergency stay issued by Justice Alito, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, will expire. So what are your thoughts on because Listeners are already familiar with the case. They know that the standing is bullshit. And they and uh, I want to talk to you about what you think about this ruling, where it might go and what what this the stand, the quote unquote standing that they twisted themselves in pretzel knots to try to, you know, establish in the Fifth Circuit. Well, I mean, the fact it's it's wild because even within um, they filed their paperwork today, um, this alliance for garbage, Hippocratic pro-life whatever the hell. Um, and they emphasized the Comstock law and then they emphasized their standing. And the thing the the case that they make around their own standing is that at some point, which hasn't happened in the 23 years that Mifepristone has been available and the 5 million people who have used it somehow now 
that there is a, an allowing of it to be just dispensed differently. That a bunch of pro-life, anti-abortion medical people are going to be flooded with patients and they will not be able to deal with the capacity. Now, first of all, um, I want to break that down for a second. Um, a, there's been 28 cases associated with death or harm when it comes to the 5 million people that have used this drug since it's been legal in the United States since 2000. B, if you're having any complications due to taking an abortion pill, um, logical says, I'm going to go to the emergency room. Illogical says, I'm going to go to a doctor who hates my very existence and the fact that I took this pill, who's probably not going to help me. And then really illogical is, Part of the people that are claiming standing are pro-life dentists. So if you are um, taking an abortion pill and you're like, you know what? I can't think of anywhere to go other than a pro-life dentist because the word cavity or vagina dentata or something. (laughs) Vagina dentata. I have to tell you a fucking hilarious story. When I was in the Navy, I was one of the first women in the nuclear program and they hadn't quite... Mm, got their shit together to have women on base when I got there, right? So we were living in different a different barracks and we didn't really have facilities and there were no GYNs on base. And so I went, I was like, hey, I need to get on birth control because, um, hello, 600 men, four women. Uh, I need to get on birth control. And, uh, you know, rape is a prevailing, I guess, concept in the military now. It's a, 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 a occupational hazard, we'll say. And... um so I went to get a, we had to, we have to get a pap smear to get the, the pill, right? I had to tell them that because they didn't know that. Uh, and then, you know, or, you know, you just, you want to make sure everything's in order before you uh, get, get, get on birth control. And they, they were like, well, what, we have a dentist you could see. They literally recommend that we have, we have dentists on base. And I was like, well, I don't um, understand Mm-mm. here. So anyway, I was like, no, I protested. They ended up sending me to Jacksonville from Orlando, which I guess is the nearest GYN in Navy terms. But I would think that Disneyland would have a OBGYN. <laughs> yeah, I don't know but, if the VA covers Disneyland uh, obstetrics. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so so the standing piece, ridiculous. The standing piece is ridiculous. Also, just... It seems the buff- the buffoonery does seem um, next level, and I guess maybe if you, mar- you know, the lead attorney is Josh Hawley's wife. So if you found Josh Hawley tolerable to soil you, um, I'm guessing you're probably not that good of a lawyer because you really haven't defended yourself <laughs> against <laughs> horribleness. But um, this Comstock law piece is so interesting that they would even try to uphold it because if it's saying that you're barring lewd, lascivious things to be sent through the mail. Um, then it's a, then it's time that we start having lawsuits about the Victoria's Secret catalog and Viagra and anything you've ever ordered off of Amazon or every Adam fifteen second, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Roman. Do you want discreet boner pills? Hymns. No more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if the Supreme Court rules that you can parse out certain things and define them, because I thought we sort of settled. Um, porn and all that stuff in the Larry Flint case. 
you know, I know it when I see it kind of a thing. Yeah, over over uh, multiple decades, as a matter of fact. Uh, and yeah, that's just for information. Um, that's what the Comstock law is. It banned lewd things to be sent in the mail. And it was about the birth control pill. But, you know, it ended up covering all sorts of. Well, and also it was ni- it was 1873. Literally, the dude named Comstock showed up in D.C. with a satchel full of sex toys and and magazines that apparently were sent through Pony Express or Wells Fargo Wagon, or I don't know how the mail was delivered in 1873. But he did a presentation. He laid it out on display, saying he had it for research uh-huh. to show Congress what was being sent through the mail. And yeah, then and, Congress was like, this is terrible. And meanwhile, these are doctors who would say, you've got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it. Uh, and, and doctors who were smoking while they were giving you exams. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened also. up till the seventies, by the way. Right. Uh, that's like super like the, the 1970s, not the 1870s. <laughs> by the way, I know. But um, the thing about it is that these future hypotheticals of hordes of women that are going to come in because they've had some sort of complication with mifepristone because it's changed somehow in 2016 or 2021. Future hypotheticals do not standing make. Uh, no, you, you, they it, do not. Otherwise, I, you know, I could. Co- and we've seen this from like uh, uh, people in California, Governor Gavin Newsom. He's like, oh, so then I can go in and sue uh, to block gun manufacturers from selling guns because of the potential future uh, kill mass shootings of children, which are actually real. Uh, that still wouldn't have standing. Right. And that's right. Yeah. And so we may see the, some sort of challenges like that. But what do you think is going to happen because I personally don't think that SCOTUS will find that these groups, this Hippocratic, idiotic, hypocritical, Hippocratic group, yeah. has Hippocratic standing. hypocrites. I don't think they'll find that they have standing just based on case law. However, we know in the overturning of Roe with the Dobbs decision that stare decisis is out the window for this particular yes. Supreme Court. But this one seems pretty cut and dry to me, but I'm not sure where this will go. And we also know that if if this Supreme Court doesn't hear this case on the merits because of standing, they will find one and wait for one that they will hear on the oh, merits. Oh, 100%. And I do think that also there is a history of the Supreme Court being deferential to the FDA. Like we have seen that in the yeah. past. Uh-huh. And so I think that, um, you know, and I think that as we see some of these states who were like, you know, fighting against Obamacare and saying, you know, you can't intervene in the medical procedures that we have and tell us what we can and can't do. That's coming to bite them in the ass. That was fun. And it was really fun, you know, but I do think too, I think you're right. I don't think that the Supreme Court can look at this, especially after all the chest beating and Brett Kavanaugh writing his side, side, sidebar when he overturned Dobbs saying, this goes to the state. If you don't like it, elect who you want to elect. And the first thing that it does is go to a federal judge to make decisions. So which is it? Right. And so I think that it's, it's going to be a wait and see. I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, and it's time now though, as we wait and we listen and we learn, if you have the strength and the power and you've used medication abortion, you are your own focus group. And to have those 5 million people say, um, I don't think so. And to have judges write things like, well, we, this is a very dangerous drug because it causes bleeding. And it's like, so does your period. Anytime you shed your urine lining. And how about childbirth? That's a real bloodbath. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> telling you. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think the Supreme Court's really in a pickle because I think they have no other choice it, it, when everything is laid out to say, um, 
No. And we have a really great um, pod that's up right now with Dr. Michelle Goodwin, who is a, a, a constitutional lawyer and a scholar on reproductive health rights and justice. And she walked us through it. It's And it's really a good episode. So I, I highly recommend listening. Yeah. Let's tell everybody about that before I let you go. Tell everybody about where your podcast at, where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can support you. Yes, absolutely. The podcast Feminist Buzzkills, we drop new episodes on Fridays. We're having um, Tanya Pellegrini this Friday on from the Lawyering Project who have done work with the Supreme Court and in front of the Supreme Court um, to really talk about what the ruling means when it comes down tomorrow. So that's going to be really awesome um, to find us on socials and to keep up with all of this news on a daily basis. Go to Abortion front on all of the socials. And you can find me at Liz Winstead with two Z's. We're all over the place helping you be better about all these things. So awesome. Liz, extra Z. I appreciate you so much. (laughs) I appreciate you, friend. Thank you for having me on. Of course. The work you're doing is so incredible. So everybody follow, find, listen to Feminist Buzzkills, Abortion Front on all the socials as well because of all the incredible work that we could take up a whole other show talking about what you're doing with that group. Uh, But I appreciate your time today, everybody. Uh, Liz Winstead, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the mutt or what the horse, uh, I've been doing that. <laughs> you have frog orgy pictures or baby photos or pod pet tacks, especially wearing costumes and dresses and sweaters and stuff. We love that. If you don't have a pod pet, you can uh, share an adoptable pet in your area. Uh, give a shout out to somebody you love, a small business that you want to support, the small business that you're doing. Anything you want, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact from anonymous, no pronouns given. Hi, AG and Dana, you amazing humans, you. I am a cisgender parent of an amazing and hilarious gender expansive tween kid. I love that term. Right? Gender expansive, on puberty blockers, happy and thriving. Who has been gender expansive since aged two? Thank you both for being such strong and amazing allies of the LGBTQ plus folks and trans kids in particular. We really need strong allies like you right now. In case it's not obvious, it is really fucking hard and depressing this time right now. And I'm in a safe-ish, though vulnerable state, Virginia. To your listeners, please consider speaking up whenever you can to support transgender people in schools, in sports, in public, in the workplace. We need you. Uh, I do what I can behind the scenes, working with our public schools and getting involved at my workplace, both supportive and safe, if sometimes clueless. I oftentimes feel muzzled because I need to keep my kids safe. This means that I don't feel comfortable speaking publicly at school board meetings or advocating in other public ways. Uh, this means that I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a federal employee, so very limited political activity, but I donate whenever I can. Anyways, Beans Queens, thank you for standing up for trans and gender expansive kids. You are the bestest. For pet tax, I've included some of our uh, pics of our two goofy cats and deceptively peaceful looking who bring us such joy, though they don't exactly bring each other joy. <laughs> haha. P.S. I'd love to hear an interview with Judd Legum of Popular Information. Was absolutely thrilled to hear you discuss his important work today. Yeah, that was a really incredible story. And I love that. Gender expansive. Right? So good. Oh. Look at the large butt on that. That is a big cat butt. <gasps> Baby got <gasps> back. Mustache. Oh, you've got a mustache, kitty. Oh, look at that Van Dyke look on the Look at baby. you. A Van what? <laughs> look at you. <laughs> 
It's a van. <laughs> van Dyke. Um, I was uh, when I was on my trip, uh, Amster- uh, Brussels to Amsterdam. We stopped in places like <laughs> Slaughter Dyke and Kinder Dyke, and of course, then you know, I'm with 120 lesbians, and every time they say something a, a dyke a double dyke we're just giggling i'm like oh my god we're like teenage girls it's our jack from will and grace it was awesome all right uh, this next one's from kathy from <laughs> kansas pronounced she and her i love your shows and listen to daily beans clean up on aisle 45 and jack faithfully i have to admit that i voted for trump in 2016 and quickly regretted my actions even before the inauguration i really got involved in following all the issues with kansas politicians tr- when kansas politicians tried to change our constitution in a primary election with misleading statements Keep up the good work. Mm, Oh, yeah. And then, as you know, good things happen in Kansas and they kept abortion legal and blah, blah, blah. I've included my wonderful pets for your enjoyment. Bruiser was my first rescue, a retriever, Dachshund mix. The other two are Ash, Mm -hmm. another rescue who was listed as a Mastiff mix, not even close, and Pumpkin, a Yorkie (laughs) poo-poo who rules the roost. And what the mutt is Ash. All right. What the mutt is Ash, if not a Mastiff mix? Let's see. I would say Boxer. Oh, look. Boxer. Yeah. Boxer. Maybe some pity. Maybe Ridgeback or Vishla for the color. Um, Vishla. And then, what'd you say, pity? Yeah, a little bit, maybe. And, of course, Chow. Look at the the head, though. It's not a flat head. It's got a... Yeah, what is that about? Maybe it's a lab. Yeah, or a or a poodle. Oh, okay. But the fur. <laughs> Those weren't even close to each other. I'm like, maybe it's a lab. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, or a poodle. <laughs> <laughs> or a chow chow. Maybe it's a chow chow. Staffy, Boston Terrier, and Boxer. So you got Boxer, and we miss the 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 Boston Terrier and Staffy. So there you go. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for no, that. No, we're sliding uh, down. It is a Staffy, a Boston Terrier, and a Boxer. You said that, yeah? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God! What did I did I pass out for thirteen seconds? What the <laughs> hell just happened? <laughs> I thought you were still guessing. No, no, no. I scrolled oh. down. I'm sorry. I probably should have said that. Don't be. We got Boxer. We did. We got Boxer. Oh my God! One for three. Sometimes I feel like I just had baby strokes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up <laughs> from Nico, pronouns he and him. To help take my mind off things, the universe decided to help me out and blessed me with kittens. Eight wow. kittens, not by one cat, but Ooh. two. Um, a mother and daughter stray that took up residence on my porch. The mama cat, the one with the white spots, had her four on the 11th. The daughter kitty was helping out with the younger siblings, and I think that made her go into labor early because four days later, five really tiny oh my kittens. God. Sadly, one didn't make it, but all eight are doing well. You can see the size difference in the pics. It's funny to see the mamas with a variety of kittens at one time. The mamas and my roommate and I are making sure everyone is being fed. But good news is I'm pretty sure these are the last two stray females in my neighborhood. So in six to eight weeks, the kittens and mamas will be in a foster and soon forever homes. I'll send another picture of the unique colors of the mama cat's coats and hopefully the kittens too soon. Stay safe and thank you for my morning pick-me-up. Look, Look at all at the this. kittens. <laughs> oh my goodness. <gasps> Look at them. They're all so tiny. Oh my God. Little oranges and gingers and tuxedos. Oh my God, and, oh. they're so cute. Oh, look at it. I can't. Mama and daughter kitten. 
Also, though, if they got impregnated by the same cat, that's like a kitty Jerry Springer waiting to happen. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> the kittens are like, you look like me. Yeah, you look like me, too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> checkers you are the father (laughs) of all of those kittens all right this next one's from anonymous pronouns he and him hi beans queens we are in rare form today and i fucking love it good news (laughs) good news but won't start sounding that way however tuesday's show discussing how people's identity is being used as a wedge issue to drum up hate and the good work others have stepped up to do made me want to share my dad is an asshole Years of therapy and his being uninvited from holidays have shown this. I wasn't considering that over Easter, and my extended family ended up doing Easter early due to my cousin's parenting plan with her ex when I just called home to talk. I got a 35-minute rant from my father against trans people. Now, I won't go into full details, but at one point, he unintentionally quoted the the villain of Rocky IV while misgendering a trans girl. Quote, if he dies, he dies. That was about suicide, which I admit seemed on par for an angry boomer these days, to quote a Russian villain from the Cold War. But the part I do have to share is this. He was practically screaming at one point. What about my kid? What what about what it takes away from my kid in sports? Hmm. I was just silent for several long seconds before replying, Dad, I'm a 36-year-old man. I'm your only kid. I'm not playing high school girls sports. I didn't even play high school sports at all. How do you think that impacts me in any way? He, of course, spluttered and raged about other things, sadly. So at this point, you're probably going, making the bigot a sputter aside, how the hell is this good news? And I apologize for the link to get to the good news. Without exception, everyone I know whom I told about this was utterly aghast. Fellow boomer relatives that were his age, my fellow millennials and my friends groups, my Gen X friends, my Gen X therapist, all were just horrified. As someone who teaches in a university setting, I knew that overall with Gen Z, the kids are all right these days. But it warmed my heart to find out just how far the rest of our generations have come. During the period when I was growing up, the reaction would have probably sided with my father's hate. But in a red part of a purple state, the reaction was still pretty slanted towards love equality, and accepting people for who they are, not for who society tried to force them to be for centuries. It gave me hope that in the end, love will win, and people can one day just be themselves without facing judgment and hate. Thank you for all you do with the podcast. Sometimes it can seem like a little candle of hope out in the negativity. Mm. What about my kid? What about what it takes away from my kid in sport? I'm 36 and I'm and yeah. I'm, I'm not playing high school girls sports. <laughs> well, flabbity. I mean, that's just one of I those just, moments where, you know, someone just regurgitates a Fox News line that they heard that makes absolutely no sense in context. Yeah. I, mm. Well, that is good news that everyone else was aghast when you told them that story. But I am sorry that, that your father is like yeah. that. I mean, mm. But thank you very much, Anonymous, for sending that story in. And uh, thanks to everybody for sending in your good news. I'm scrolling back up, looking at all the kitty kitty pictures. I know, all those little kittens. The boxer mix and these cute dogs, the doxy mix and the mustachioed cat with the big butt. And uh, this is absolutely great. Thank you so much uh, for sending all these in. If you have anything you want to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, We got about 10 tickets left to our cocktail reception meet and greet for patrons of the beans and cleanup on aisle 45 uh so uh if you haven't gotten your tickets yet and you want to 
definitely check that out. If you're a patron, the information will be in your inbox or on the Patreon website. Um, and I look forward I to that it. because it's going to be super fun. And uh, anyway, that's uh, that's it for today. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Just one good news. And you know and love her as well. Dina Nina Martinez was sworn in, sworn in Woo-hoo! to the Madison Common Council. I love that woman. She is a hysterical comedian, a good friend of mine. And I know a good friend of the podcast. And it's just so awesome to have another trans person representing in, in Wisconsin. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. First trans person elected in the state's history. And... She won by 54 votes, Dana. That's amazing. And she says, you know, thank you for having me on the Daily Beans because those 54 people. In fact, some of um, Daily Beans listeners from a a neighboring town went to help uh, Dina Nina campaign. And um, that, you know, and and then I had uh, Dina Nina back on the show and she, you know, it was just... Like that we could have had an impact like that to to make that historic election is just so fucking cool. It really is. So Beans listeners, if you voted out there in Madison, well done. You got good leadership mm. over there. Yep, you do. And awesome representation. So that is it, everybody. We will be back tomorrow with no Fox News and Dominion trial. Womp, womp. But I'm sure there'll be other news to report. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said... Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, 
If I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.